Live from the Brave Bat Bunker. In the morning, Troy. In the morning, Brian Black. Have you heard of the Brave web browser? I have heard of the Brave web browser. All, what, 12 people that use it? Yep. There's literally dozens of us. Dozens of us. I've, I've heard it's definitely the more secure uh, browser, but besides that, I don't know what, what is the advantage of Brave besides that. Um, I guess I'll go down that path now because there's a quick one sentence why would you choose brave over, it has a uh, built-in ad blocker ah okay so it's not it's google has quote-unquote ad blockers but not really um it well brave the browser is built on chrome mm-hmm. so you're using chromium basically the open source project and it's just been de-googled Mm-hmm. Then they integrated a a whole Web three aspect to the browser, so that it's it has its own cryptocurrency wallet built in, which is cool. Um, I'll have to explain why that's cool, like maybe another day. Is that okay? I was going to say, is that then tied to your browser, and that's how it is your wallet, or is it just lets you log into your wallet? It. It's nothing you even need to use. Like I didn't even really mess with it um, un- until very recently. So I, from my perspective, Brave was always just this interesting, interesting Chromium browser that had a built-in ad blocker. So uh, it kind of makes it more secure and a nicer web experience just immediately. And... On top of the private browsing window, there's private browsing with Tor. So you could, in a pinch, kind of tunnel your traffic out. If you're like at uh, Starbucks Wi-Fi or something, you can Mm -hmm. have a little encrypted tunnel that you make your traffic exit somewhere else in the world. That way no one at Starbucks is watching what you're doing. It'll just be garbage to them. (laughs) Just the Tor node uh, exit operator. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Probably the one that's watching what you're doing. Yeah, they're not all perfect angels, the ones that operate those nodes. Oh, so it's it's basically public. Well, Tor is public, yeah. It, it's okay. run by volunteers. There's a cryptocurrency called Oxen that mm-hmm. uh, has this side project called the Loki Net, Loki Network, and it uses the Oxen blockchain to um to pay loki net operators and the goal of loki net is essentially to make tor but rather than just being in the application layer where it's only delivering tcp traffic just web traffic it it's more of the uh, protocol layer so you can send udp or tcp traffic so you could play games you could do real time um voice and video and uh it, it could potentially reduce the latency a little bit it would it would make it um support real time communications a little better if it was able to drop packets with by allowing udp 
it's a it's a cool project. The way that they that the cryptocurrency comes in is the operators of LokiNet nodes mm-hmm. or Oxen nodes, one or the other. They could both be the same box, I guess. They need to stake their Oxen. They have to basically put up fifteen thousand dollars, and if they are somehow abusing the network traffic, like Tor exit node operators are, like twenty percent of them are. Um, uh-huh. they'll have their oxen slashed. So they'll either not get their 17% interest that they would normally get paid, or they could lose all their, their oxen if they were that abusive. They would just keep losing it as they were doing malicious things. Well, definitely by force them to do a uh, monetary, like adding monetary value to it, hopefully it would discourage... I'm going to do it. Risking is that. I'm going to be a network operator. It sounds fantastic. You can make 17% interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're doing if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, it should be lucrative. It should be good. And if I combine the uh, like reserved instances on AWS and, and I combine an Alchemix loan with that, I can put in money into Alchemix where it makes like 17 to 30% interest and the interest pays down the loan. So the servers are effectively cost neutral because I can prepay them for a year Mm -hmm. and then the loan repays itself in a year. So I never actually was out any money. money. And it's just getting all past that point. So so the servers are cost neutral and then Mm -hmm. Oxen generates me thousands of dollars. I don't know how often it gets paid out, but let's just say it's per year. I could scale that up to a whole bunch of different systems and automate the shit out of it with uh, Ansible. And I can pay people to do that for me. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make uh, a, like a huge, a huge change. I want a huge portion of my income to be in just native internet jobs. That's my new project. What do you mean by native? You mean just like generated from online, um, not, not not transactions, but like online services I, in a way? Yeah, providing oxen nodes, staking there, uh, adding to liquidity pools like uh, in Ethereum. You can make, imagine making uh like 17% interest. I think 17% interest on like $50,000 would would bring in nearly $700 a month. Now when you say $700, is that in US dollars or is that in crypto? Yeah, it's pegged to the dollar. It would be... But it's crypto pegged to the US dollar though. Yeah. So it won't be losing its value, but it is in crypto. Yeah. So you could just send that to Coinbase and then pay off your Coinbase credit card or... Gemini and pay off your Gemini credit card. So then everything with the credit, you could then be paying off. No problems. Just with internet jobs. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely doable. I think I can do it before the end of the year. I'll try to think as far as what, what do you, uh, do you already have the crypto or like a bedroom credit card or is it? The credit cards are not, um, I know they're not crypto, they're but like, not can you, widely available. Okay. I'm on the wait list for a whole bunch of them. 
<laughs> so there actually there's a wait list as far as there is a limited availability. There's not many. Well, card I don't, I don't do know. It. They're making you wait in line for some reason. I guess it's like trying to make a club popular. The, the club oh, could like... be empty, but you got to make people <laughs> line up outside. Mm-hmm. I was thinking they might want to be doing it slowly. That way they can sort of like be reviewing every application very carefully. Not just like let everybody in and, that, and then have, have all this credit card debt that no, they're not going to pay off basically. That would be my theory on why they're going slow. They they want to be very sure. And I feel like this is this is a new thing. Not brands making new, but it is not widespread. It's not mainstream. It's just a normal credit card. There's literally nothing different. So if you don't pay, you're fucked. The same way you'd be fucked with any credit card. Okay. I mean, it's a normal credit, credit card application in. process. All that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not nearly as cool as uh, some type of Ethereum quote-unquote loan because those have to be collateralized, so there is no way to commit fraud. Yeah, because you're putting in monetary value for it, but then... There's no way to skip out on the bill. Yeah, you've already paid the bill, right? Basically, yeah. You're just now uh, trying to pay it back, but then use your alternative method of... You you borrow the money by putting the money up front, but then let you invest it in another pool that pays more interest than the interest is on the loan, and then eventually you get free money. Something like that. Um, I've had a lot of computer problems over the last couple of weeks. Personal or work? Mm, all personal. You need to get better um, computers. <laughs> no, what kind my, of problems? Uh, my iMac Pro, uh, I'm kind of thinking that the NVMe might be failing or getting corrupted. The last couple of Mac OS updates have resulted in my computer restarting and then um, getting a kernel panic and not being able to boot. And then it requires that I reinstall the OS, uh, like quote unquote yeah. reinstall it just basically wipes out the the operating system portion all of your tabs are gone it left all my information my thousands of tabs maybe that's the problem maybe all my tabs are somehow ruining it um so it i do that after you open the open the browser and it has to load all those tabs yep left every web page i've ever i've ever viewed i left it all open so my theory is the update is like touching some part of the NVMe that has failed or is is going to fail. I, I don't know. And then it kernel panics on boot and I can't find anything in the logs. The logs are kind of unintelligible now. I, I swear I used to be able to read them before. Um, but they've also had some weird updates to go out like this latest watchOS update for a security mm-hmm. vulnerability that everybody's phone just got the update for in the last like 48 hours. The watch Apple watch series three watches have to do a complete OS reinstall and you have to restore from a backup just for this little upgrade. What, what does there any description of what, what because is there's, there they... isn't enough storage on the watch. 
Oh, okay. I see. So they, oops, sorry. They have to offload it and then yeah. put it back up. Well, small devices. It's bound to be limitations. That's crazy. Also, my stream box is it's having issues, and I'm not certain if the free. So I had one time where I came home and mm -hmm. the stream box was completely offline, and I just have to guess that that had to do with some Elgato capture card that I put in the stream box. But it hasn't happened since. But the game, the insurgency game that I keep running and streaming. Mm -hmm. that's what's freezing the game itself the game itself freezes there. nothing else freezes and uh i guess my game server has to be restarted frequently or else it somehow freezes the clients when they connect but this happens like all the time so i'm trying to figure out if it's one of the sound files i installed or those scantily clad women skins that i installed those mods yeah well have, what was the last you just gotta start working your way backwards start you know i'm assuming you kept a perfect log of uh everything you've done every day right right <laughs> you have all the documentation surely right <laughs> uh but yeah just start i guess so step backwards in time mm -hmm. one revert reverting each change and then wait multiple days and see if it freezes after every single change well basically you know you don't wait multiple days you take it away you know take it like the next change and the next time it crashes take another one and the next time it crashes and then by the time it you forget that you were supposed to be waiting for it that means it's work so i should have this resolved by next year yeah surely maybe i can make do the encoding it. on linux and i can just make the box freeze in time I mean, the alternative would be just to start fresh, like a complete clean install, take all the mods off, and then just add them slowly one by one. Like, do like do them in, in chunks. I like do all the bikini mods. I mean, uh, updated model mods first, see if that runs fine, and then add sound effect mods and see if that runs well. All right, I'll do it that way. Um, it's just, you know, once once you, like, find a, a grouping that doesn't work, you can be like, oh, undo that. Which could be a big pain because you're like, oh, which grouping was it? Which which part in that small group? Although I, I remember when I would install mods for Left 4 Dead 2, I could usually tell, like, I install it, and then there'd be, like, weeks in between when I would install another mod. So I'd be like, ooh, it's been running, like, garbage since I installed X. But I think you were just, you were doing it, you were doing it in, in batches as well, right? Um, the problem is since it's an unattended game stream that runs for weeks at a time, mm -hmm. I mean, it runs 24 seven, it will freeze when it feels like freezing, but after many days, there's no way to speed it up. And then, I mean, can you tell when it does, or is it just like, you have to actually look, I have to look at it. the stream and because the time is a layer above the video, the time keeps counting in the game stream because there's technically nothing wrong with the stream. It's the game itself that's frozen. It's the game that's frozen, and that's the bottom layer in the stream. So I have to like mm. look and see if there's any bushes moving or if the camera changes. <laughs> yeah. 
Is it frozen or is it just nothing going on, on the screen? Yeah, it's hard well, to tell. That's that's yeah. I'm thinking I'm leaning more towards the mods now because I think if it was the hardware, your stream would be dying, not your. Uh, yeah, it only died once. Maybe the Elgato is not so bad after all for the price. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get one of those stream boards, whatever they call them. Stream boards? What do you, you mean? Know, the box with the screens on it. Oh, the with little, the buttons. Yeah, the buttons. So that way I can just push a button and then run a batch script or something that executes load insurgency, connect to the server. I'll just like basically re restart it when you notice uh -huh. it. And then I can hit a button that'll start and stop the stream. And then the icon should refresh. The, uh, the status of whether or not it's running or not. And then I would want um, uh, the option to hit a button and then do picture in picture. Oh, yeah, to make it minimize into something else. Yeah, so, so I, either I could capture another HDMI input or I could run some type of maybe like a Chromecast receiver type of thing. And then I can send random videos to play in the lower third of the the game stream. You can definitely do that. In in OBS, you can just create a different scene and then yeah. there's a there's a you have to download this one. This is what actually it's called like the move transition. And instead of it just being like a peer or like a like a transitional phrase, it just literally moves your different elements in your scene so long as they exist in both scenes. And so you can create some really nice fluid, like moving transitions. It's like, like take your big screen, have it minimized to a small screen, and behind it is like whatever you want to be taken center place. And I could play swoosh sound effects like I'm um, CNN. Yeah, you have to add that to the like. There's definitely um, scripts in OBS, so if you wanted to add that, you could. Uh, but the swoosh then it would be something extra. Swoosh. For something I intend on having completely automated, I think that's too much work. Well, that's why I'd say you probably want to focus on just the move transition. Move transition to make it really easy, because then you can just do press a button, it move, press a button, moves back. Maybe when I get the uh, 420 YOLO treasury up and running, which I could do in five minutes, I just haven't done it, then when you're gonna we can hire the mm -hmm. services of yort.org. Ooh. And then you can get that all set up. Yeah, what kind of games have you played? I have been playing Mitomo. Mitomo. Mitopia. Mitomo's old thing. Mitopia. That just came out last Friday. Have you heard of Mitopia? No. Basically, it's an old Nintendo 3DS game. So this is not a new game, but this is new for Nintendo Switch. And... I feel like the days when they had the Nintendo 3DS, the Nintendo Wii U, and Nintendo... Well, everybody had the Nintendo Wii, but the Wii U and that era of games for Nintendo, I feel like a lot of people didn't play Nintendo games during that time. So, although it's not a new game, it's new to a lot of people. And basically, the premise is that it's this, it's this very set-on-rails adventure mode uh, role-playing game and it's like it's like it's so simple it literally has a auto battle mode and so you really don't even have to press any buttons you just hit speed up and you just watch the battle in like super speed time 
But why it's entertaining is that you can bring in your Miis and Miis uh, and Nintendo are all these, like these characters that you can make to model yourself and model your friends. So it's fun to see how these characters interact with each other. The, the battle mode is like, like I said, it's, it's on rails. It's very easy. You don't even have to do, press any buttons. But what is fun is to see how your Miis like, talk to each other because it's a lot of emphasis on relationships. You're trying to build uh, friendships between all these Miis together as they go on this adventure. And there's like a there's like a very basic story with like the Dark Lord and oh that's nothing, all the NPCs, all the enemies, all the um, allies, you can replace them with different me faces. What's sort of nice is that since this is an old game technically from the 3DS days, all the customizable faces that people have worked on and upload online are available to Nintendo Switch. So for example, in my story, I have Hank Hill the propane master as the evil dark lord and so whenever his face shows up it's hank hill's face and it looks exactly like it dead on huh um i've never I, heard of this yeah i had heard like whispers of it i think from uh from taylor he told me about it because i think he like he was like oh yeah i made you one of the villains i was like oh thanks <laughs> um but it's just it's just like a fun little game it's it's of course it being Nintendo games, they are selling it for sixty dollars. Old game for a new game price. But and that was that's another whole whole topic about how to why Nintendo prices the way they do. Um but I feel like if you need something that you don't want to think hard about and you just wanna like just sort of like veg out, it's like I almost feel like it's a mobile game where you don't really have to think hard, you're just pressing buttons at right times. That's what this game is perfect for. Or if you're like uh I don't want to say their name, but a f- mutual friend of ours who pretty much played Fire Emblem just for the uh, for the relationship building. If you're that kind of person, then this is like the perfect game for you. Sounds like a good toilet game. Yeah, exactly. It's good just to sit there and there you it- go. You you play your. That's how I play it. I play my mm-hmm. Switch games on the toilet until my legs fall asleep. Exactly. Um, the game is interesting in that it's like Civ Five, where you're like you know. Then one what? thing is the next thing, and you just keep playing. Like you, oh. you don't. You want to see what happens next. You like you level up. You're like one more turn. Well, I got exactly one more turn. One more. One more go. And since it's so like low energy, you don't get exhausted playing this. But I, I can notice the Nintendo always designs these things with like families in mind. The game purposely t- asks you like, I haven't quite figured out what it is. If it's like a set time limit or if it's a set like number of actions you did or something but every so often it'll ask you hey do you want to take a break and yeah it automatically will like has selected keep going but it it physically reminds you like hey you've been playing this a while maybe you should stop because i think they probably noticed like in testing people just kept playing and playing and playing and playing never and even though there's there's multiple areas to take a break like you can stop it's not like you're locked in for the next 50 minutes like a league of legends game I think they probably want to make it add an option to be like, okay, remind the player now is a good time to take a break. <laughs> now is a good breaking point to save the game and quit. Yeah. They should have done that in civilization because I'll sit down and play Civ five on Friday. And by the time up. I wake up or not even wake up by the time I'm done, it's Sunday yeah. <laughs> what, or Monday. What year is it? It's bad. Uh, Civ Civ Benders. Civ Benders. Um, but yeah, so that's a nice feature I like. 
Uh, it's single player only, so there's no multiplayer aspect to it. But probably, which still makes it fun to talk about, is like I said, you put your friends in there, and so like right now in my adventure, you are a stubborn wizard in my game, and you cast spells. And then you get stubborn if you miss, so you cast them again, and we use up all your mana at once. And then, but you're blasting them with like thunderbolts and fireballs, and I think the last spell you got was like ignite, which just like layers the whole field with fire. Um, and then you got captured. <laughs> so now I'd I'd add new friends to go rescue you. This is kind of like little stories, and like I'm constantly taking snapshots or constantly taking like uh, thirty second videos. Of like the interactions that happen. You said this was on the Wii U. It no Nintendo 3DS, like the handheld oh, Nintendo oh. game. Yeah, so it's, like, it's like in the same era as the Wii U was. I didn't even know the Wii U was a different console. I didn't know that in the beginning either. I thought it was an expansion, like a like a special controller. Yeah. And then I saw a three hundred dollars price target, whatever it was. And I was like, nope, <laughs> that's not worth it. But yeah. That, that whole era of Nintendo, there's, it's funny that the Nintendo Switch is actually not that not that different than the Wii U, like as far as uh, functionality. Yeah. It's just that they did the marketing right, they did the look <laughs> yes. right, they did. It's like it's an example of you've got a good product, but you did everything else wrong, and then yeah. that's what you got, and then now you've got a good product still, but now you did everything right. What a difference! Yeah, I'm looking at this thing. There's no way I ever would have guessed this was anything other than a controller, like. I don't need a mobile screen. I have a big one. Yeah. Because the well, box looks the same. It's just a little rounder. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, they were trying to do this kind of issue where, like, the main game would be on the screen, and then the Wii U, since it has a second screen, you could use for, like, oh, seeing what's in your inventory, or, like, it'd be an additional screen on top of what you see in the big screen. The problem is, though, most people don't write games like that, so nobody took advantage of it. I think, like, there's, like, two nintendo games that took advantage of it and it really was a waste of time it's like it was one of those things where like it was a new concept it's a fun concept nintendo tried it but then nobody nobody followed ship oh like the macbook pro light bar thing on yeah i completely forgot about that (laughs) that that just went away they They just no they still have it they still have it watch they're probably all the rumors are they're gonna get rid of it it's a context shift are you kidding me? You want me to look at the screen, then you want me to look down, mm-hmm. shift context to something completely different, and then touch this. I have to look when I touch it, because if I don't, if I don't look. Oops, hit the wrong button. And then, because it's a screen in an area with all physical tactile feedback, you reach <laughs> uh-huh. up to hit something that was previously there. No, it's not there anymore. It moved. It's a screen. It's a- something else is there now. And now it's an ad. It's an ad in your toolbar. <laughs> yeah, and now it's an ad. Actually, brave has a thing you can enable where they present ads to you. And if you max it out, they'll send you like five ads per hour. But what, what's the, like, why would you, why would you, you get paid? In uh, that okay. Basic authentication, basic attention token. Mm, okay. So they incentivize you to see their, uh, they're advertisers, uh, yeah. They're sponsors. It's like ethical advertising or something. It's basically their ads that aren't spying on you. Mm-hmm. And then on the client side, you can enable or disable things that you didn't like or liked. That's tangent. It's not related to Nintendo. Yeah, but just um, 
I can remember where we were going with this. Just as far as you know, trying new things. Apple, I feel like, is the king of that. They try something new with their mice or keyboard every couple of years, and sometimes it's a hit. Most of the times, it's a miss. Remember the hockey puck mouse? Yeah, you couldn't tell if you were facing it the right way. It was just <laughs> it was a perfect even, circle. There was even a freaking mouse cord coming out, and you still couldn't tell. It was it was a a, a feature of engineering to make it as confusing as possible. Oh, and their their current wireless mouse, the charger, mm-hmm. is a lightning cable, and it's on the, At bottom. the bottom. Yeah, so you can't charge and use it at the same time. I think it's specifically so that you you won't plug it in and use it like it's a wired mouse because it's not a wired mouse. They want to force you to use it wirelessly. That's one of those things where like a creative type was like, okay, I need to make sure they use it the way I want them to use it. But then engineer is like, why? Why would you do that? Then <laughs> they let the creative type make the decision. Engineer had no say. I guess. Hey, no biting. Sorry, I got my cat in my hands. He wanted to jump up. Okay, down you go. There are Apple TV remotes kind of um, not practical. They have a new one that just came out because everybody complained about they complained about the fact that the Apple TV remote was too too thin mm-hmm. and it would slip into your couch and you'd lose it. Oh, that's right. I'm and it was stuck. glass. If you have hard it floors now. and it falls <laughs> off because the bottom's aluminum, it's slippery. If you set it on the armrest of your chair, of your couch, and then you look at it wrong, it slips off the couch and it hits the hardwood floor and it shatters and glass goes all over your floor. And now you don't have a remote or it'll cost like a hundred dollars to replace. So if you're aware of all these flaws and you leave it on the couch, they made it so it was perfectly symmetrical and black on both sides. So you never know which side is the right side to pick up. Until it's you USB. put your finger on it. And when you put your finger on it, it's a trackpad. So it detects that you touched it and it wiggles the screen and it shuffles around where you were in the video. Oh. Uh, so the yeah. new ones, it's a little different. It's a lot different. But it, I I remember reading about, I think it, I, I just want to, I don't want to say like it was, it was irony that it came from. They're like, I think it was like Steve Jobs was saying that what happens to a lot of companies is. You have these people who who have like a vision for what they want to do. Like, okay, this is how things should work because, you know, we use these things. This is how it should work. And so they start the company. They get a product out that like, you know, looks great, works great because, you know, they use their own product. And then what happens over time as the company grows and gets bigger and bigger and bigger is that it becomes too much of a management thing. Like there's, the company's too big that the same original stars that made it great couldn't possibly manage it. So they had to hire managers and that eventually over time those creative types get kicked out replaced with manager types that uh, are focused on selling on sales and so they don't care if the product works great or not because they're not going to use it they just want to make sure it looks appealing enough to buy that you'll like you'll want to get it because it looks great but then you know to actually use it is not so great (laughs) you know long term and so i feel like a lot of these new Apple products, I feel like that's sort of what's happening. Like it looks very fancy. It looks really clean, but then to use it long-term, not so much. Uh, I don't know whether or not I agree with that, but I, I, I think that the trackpad idea mm-hmm. is a great idea and is needed 
to have some type of gestural indirect input to the TV. And I think they solved it. The problem is that for a normal person to just pick it up and use it, mm-hmm. there's it's so many intuitive. practical, it, there's so many ways it's impractical. Like you like to leave the remote on the armrest of your couch sometimes. Mm-hmm. People own leather couches, slick aluminum on leather fly off. slips mm-hmm. and if uh if the remote is so thin it can fit between the cushions it will go there yeah it's like a force of nature sucks it into the crack so well, you it's won't definitely find it. uh anything for the hands you know not not necessarily smaller is always better kind of thing like i think that's what they it used to be phones just were like focused on getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And then the touchscreen came out and they're like, okay, bigger and bigger and bigger now. Um, but I feel now it's starting to ease out where we're starting to get phones that are like as much space as they possibly can fit on the screen, but then it's, it's large enough to fit in your hands without just slipping out. And that, yeah. I think they need to apply the same kind of logic to, to the remote. Like not necessarily smaller is always better. It's you need to have a good mix between okay, I've got this much space that would fit nicely in my hands. What what ways can we maximize the space that's on here? Stand by for an image. I'm trying to get a comparison of every Apple remote. How many have there been now? I I, I remember when the Apple TV came out because I remember you had the Mac Mini and it was like oh that's that's uh, no longer the Apple TV. They got a they got their own dedicated computer for it. But I felt like that was years ago. Like. That was when front row used to be a thing on the uh, Apple. Yeah. Yeah, they had that white remote, the plastic yeah, one. Yeah, it came with my laptop. That's right. And it had a magnet. So on the side of those plastic iMacs, you could snap it to uh, your computer. And then they ended up using that same mounting system on the iPad years, mm-hmm. like a decade later. Um. All these images suck. They don't show the right size. Oh, there was just like to talk just one more thing. I know we're going a little back on topic of what originally we were talking about, but as far as like features that they're trying but nobody uses, uh, probably the equivalent for the Nintendo Switch is there is a infrared sensor on the right Joy-Con, but there's like a total of two games that use it. But apparently it's like, it's a, it's a very fancy little sensor that you can actually like. Oh, I see the picture. This is a really clean picture. Is this your picture? No, I just picked this one because it was a clean picture, but it only shows the previous Apple TV remote that I currently own. And then the new one is the larger aluminum one. And it seems like they did away with the touchpad. And they have actual like a button. No, no, it's integrated into the button system. Oh, that middle part. Yeah, is, and is it's it also an iPod uh, scroll wheel. So it's uh, technically, it's two trackpads. Gotcha. So this has it has a little more indicator. I like that it's indicating where the trackpad is. That was the problem with the old one. Is like like you said, you look at it, you didn't yeah, realize it's perfectly that was a symmetrical, and you got a fifty fifty chance that the side that you touch is the right one, mm-hmm. and the one you pick up, it's like USB. Like you never fucking plug it in right until you look at it, and then you realize so you, oh, you were plugging it in right. You just got to jiggle a little bit, a little bit more. The Apple mm-hmm. TV remote is, I swear I'm picking up the right side, 
when you, you reach down for it, but unless you really look at it, you don't know. And meanwhile, you just moved everything on the screen and you lost your spot in the movie. Does it make it? They, do they remake it like when you're playing the movie? If you touch the touchpad, it moves your location. They can't. Yeah, I'm right. talking a lot of shit. Initially, okay. that, like, that is how it was. Horrible. Yes, in the first <laughs> release of Apple of uh, yeah, I think they call it TVOS. The first mm-hmm. release of TVOS. That's how it was. Oh man, you'd be watching the show, and then you could just start scrubbing, which is cool because it shows how instantly responsive the Apple TV is. Mm-hmm. And they immediately patched that out because people would just accidentally look at the remote. And that would cause a touch input and, and then they'd lose their spot unless they knew that by hitting menu, it canceled that particular back to the original spot. Yeah. And then there's apps like the YouTube app, which is unfathomable. They do everything wrong. (laughs) Like it is the most unique interface. It, it's infuriating. Fucking hate YouTube. Is it just the YouTube through the Apple TV or just the YouTube app in general? There's a, a service called YouTube TV. Oh, YouTube TV. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought I just talked about the YouTube app. Okay. There is also a YouTube app which works like YouTube and it's fine. But the YouTube TV app is particularly annoying because as soon as you open it, like, and not in my profile, but in the other profile that I have set up, mm-hmm. it just starts playing shit. And it's behind everything. And then if you hit the menu button, it leaves the YouTube TV app. So how do you get to the video that's now playing in the background? Why can't it stop? Stop making so much noise. It's so loud. <laughs> I, I hate it. Imagine you, you turn it on. You're like, oh, I don't want to. Like, I got to mute it real quick. And you walk away. And, and there's no mute. Oh. There's a mute button on the new remote. Not on the previous one. Okay. I'm, not, I'm like, I don't, oh, I see it there now. Okay. little yeah. cross. So you open the speaker. YouTube TV app and the fucking diaper ad starts blasting you <laughs> <laughs> full volume and lucky. It's just your luck that it happens to be like a diaper ad. That is one of those interstitials that you can't pause because mm-hmm. it's a paid ad. It's not one that was recorded. Google Google's so fucking evil. I hate YouTube. Well, Google is the example of the, the up, the purest example of if it's free, you are the product. Yeah, except that service started at $35 and then three months later turned into $65. Wow. Yeah. What, what are, wait, what do you use it for then that justifies $65? So in that amount of time, I added some family members mm-hmm. and now I'm just stuck. It's, it's very They're simple. using it for stuff. Yeah, whatever. It, whatever. It's seventy five or sixty five dollars. I don't know. Think about that. Sixty five dollars times twelve. Seventeen percent interest on Alchemex. That's seven hundred eighty dollars. Doesn't cost me a dollar. <laughs> you could put into Alchemex instead. I could, but I could just take from Alchemex because I have uh, more of those dollars in Alchemex, and then Alchemex interest pays it off in no time. And I'm set for the year. $780. I'll make sure to ask you for a tip next time. 
$780 tip. That's the threshold. I know you're willing to pay it. Yeah, there you go. Give me your bits. (laughs) You could add, I think you could add your, uh, you could become a brave creator, Mm -hmm. brave, the browser, brave creator account. And then I think you can add your Twitch account. And when somebody who uses brave, uh, who's using the, the bat, like the brave reward system where they get paid to look at the ads uh-huh. or uh, maybe they make regular deposits into their brave wallet. They can do um, drive by, I guess, payments to you every time they visit your stream or they can hit a button and tip you. Not to say I should, I should probably set up a donation thing that just goes straight into some kind of coin base. You can. Yeah. Just tell them, don't sub. Just give me, give me my coins. You could, um, I'll just start post, my own crypto. Post your MetaMask. <laughs> mm-hmm. Make a new uh, account, though, new wallet. Yeah, separate. Gonna, don't want to link it to me. People are going to, um, start snooping on all the other MetaMask transactions. Triangulate and figure out who I am. Oh yeah, more about Brave. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have been in the Brave Creator system, whatever they call that. So I have that creator account, and I've been receiving bat from people who visit the site. And I don't know if it's if if what I saw in there was just from this last month or if it's from all of time. I'm pretty sure it's from all of time. There was 56 bat in there and it's nearly Ooh. worth a dollar. So I never connected my creator account with uphold, which is the uh, exchange that they wanted me to like submit a photo ID to and do all kinds of ver- <laughs> uh, verification. But I don't know who uphold is and I don't trust them. So I never did it. I just waited and they finally supported Gemini. So I was like, oh, okay. Uh, Gem- Gemini is created by the Winklevoss twins, which are some cryptocurrency investors. I guess they must have been in some lawsuit with Facebook or something. Um, so now I'll finally be able to get that 56 bat. Get it out. Yep. Get it out. And that also means that I can receive tips through there too. Just by going to the site. Maybe you should just build on what you already have and uh, add that to the uh, stream. I know you were saying it would take you like five seconds to do that other other idea for the stream donations, but why not both? Yeah, I could do that. Pick your poison. Give them a choice. The illusion of choice. Bat was up to like 150 or 160. So that would have been pretty nice. That would have been, well, I mean, considering how much time went by, uh, it would have been $84 equivalent. I'd probably be better off just swapping it immediately for Ethereum or something. Yeah. What is, um, as far as like how often your, your stream is being utilized, what have 
whatever your regulars on your server have said anything about it? Uh, nobody gives a shit about my stream. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, less than nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I, I could look up the stats right now. It gets views because it's the only stream, but it's not like, wait. Well, I know, like, did as the far stream as the, die? This is, oh, did it? I know as far as like viewership on your stream itself, I don't ever see it. The majority of the time it's one, but I meant just as far as like, do your regulars know you have a stream going on? Yeah. And once I start the stream, I get three views right away. Okay. So they're like going on there just for three or four views. 11 followers, uh, 1300 views. So I don't know if that's total views ever. Yeah, the stream died. Shit. See, it's all this nitpicking Windows shit I gotta deal with. Every time it reboots from the incessant Windows updates, I'm never really certain that it's ever gonna come back online. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm just thinking about your uh, okay. what what could be done because it's, it's so. I need to have a button. If I had the little stream screen thing, I could use the app, I guess, and then I set up a bash script that just kills insurgency, stops mm-hmm. the stream, launches insurgency, joins the server, starts the stream. Yeah, I guess it's it's definitely the game that's the heart that's failing you because I'm trying to think as far as like well OBS is still running when it happens right it's just then when the game yep. dies it just shows a black screen in the time and I guess and I guess at the same time this it's not the server the server is running well what it's failing is the client viewing the server and so it's like we're trying to it's like as if you were playing the game nonstop which is it was probably never meant to do yeah. So I guess, well, yeah, it's basically there's nothing you can really do about that because they're never going to update the game. And that's like such a, that is such a non-problem for the developers that are like, you were doing what now? <laughs> My biggest problem is that it's not enough of a problem to warrant sitting down for hours and oh, testing yeah. a script and all the different conditions that would need to be written into it. So I just remote in. Jiggle the handle, and then, then I'm done. Takes like yeah. two minutes. Yeah, it's just better just to make your own a quasi fix. Basically, get duct tape it than to actually get a, a fully yeah. perfect solution. I need an automated kicking machine. Automated kicking machine. Yeah, a little like little lever you, you push your foot on it and it moves a boot next to your computer. You go Kuh. exactly. So I push the button. The kicking machine does the kick, and things are back to normal. Yeah, just basically just restart game, restart, restart. Well, not even restart game, restart viewer. Yeah, maybe there's a simple script I could run where you execute the executable and then you give it some flag that tells it to connect to a particular IP. Whatever. Well, 
Have you ever thought about uh, what you want to do with it after the stream? Because I don't know what I want to do with that machine. Yeah. Uh, I haven't thought about that. I figured if I needed a new machine for some stream thing, I would just buy another one and then I'd, I'd probably just give that away. I don't know. But I there's think no reason as... for me to get a new machine yet. The well, thing I mean, is, I'd probably use it till it burns up. As far as it doesn't still be used for streaming. I remember like when we got it for you, the, my vision was like, okay, now you can do whatever streaming you want. But I can do multiple kind of... streams. I've tested it. Yeah, I remember you sent me the link for that. That was cool. But then not just streaming, but also just use it as a, like your PC when you need to play something that's not streaming well or if uh, it's not available on those servers, those NVIDIA. Is it NVIDIA that you're streaming? If it's not through? on GeForce Now, I don't really care enough to okay. maintain a Windows machine. I, I mean, well, I might. You already are maintaining a Windows machine. I know. I might do it for Tribes so I can play Tribes next. Mm -hmm. I was thinking that'd be fun. I would, I feel like, I don't know, if I like the the tribes, whenever those people that were like, I don't know, I haven't really been following it, they have been streaming or not, but when they were streaming tribes, like it was always like a, a small little group were, were watching those streams. Yeah. Whereas with the uncertainty, I do see some people stream it, but like it's still like three, maybe one, one most of the time. Um, whereas with tribes, I was, I was generally surprised to see how many people were on it. Like, wow. Like it's just like... There's a little bit of a community, a little bit still left playing on the Tribes Next servers. I think that cryptocurrency could seriously breathe new life into that ecosystem. The Tribes too particular? Yeah. The problem is those people won't be the ones being early adopters on cryptocurrency. So it's more likely you're going to end up just attracting cryptocurrency people to playing games that use cryptocurrency mm -hmm. not the other way around but it would work as an interesting funding mechanism if you just wanted to pay somebody full time to uh, host service. the game somebody needs to rewrite the updater so they can, they can slipstream their patcher into the actual game install and oh, so get you proper hosting you're talking about like the fact that you have to first download the game yep. install it then apply their patch Yep. You gotta Maybe install DirectX six or whatever bullshit. You gotta <laughs> there's a lot of hoops you gotta jump through just to get started with the tribe with tribes next, plus the whole account creation system. Well, I thought it ran on OpenGL. You don't need DirectX. Uh you're probably right. I remember that was a thing. It was like, oh, OpenGL? Switch to that. And at the time I didn't really know what that meant, but I just thought like, oh, that's fun. But that's a that's a thing that they don't see anymore in games, I don't think. I think was, isn't that go ahead. There was a Linux client for Tribes, apparently. Yes, I heard it was in development and never got finished. Like, never got officially released. Oh, I wonder if we read the same story. Um, they always had the Linux just like dedicated server. Yep. That worked. Um, but the client for Linux was not ever released. I want to say it was incomplete because I think I downloaded it. Oh, did you find to, somebody who posted online? I'm going to have to dig that up. I'm not sure if I really did. Maybe I just dreamed it. I know there's, um, what was that? All the people who worked on Tribes 2, they went and made their own. It was like Legend or something like that. Yeah. That had a Linux version, didn't it? It did. 
And yeah, so that, I remember just people were, I remember being excited about them, being like, oh, well, that means I might need to come with the Mac version, because at the time I had idle Macs. So I was like very excited. But then Wine works just the same. Wine works really well. Yeah, I haven't good, followed good any of that stuff. Searching for legends. Oh, yeah, that's like Is that totally, what it was called? I don't remember. I just remember it was like one word name that I felt was that length. Do you remember there was a, a what was it? What was it called? What would be called like a a project that was very large though, even though it was like a one person, not one person team, but like basically a one person team, where they were making basically a sequel to both Star Siege and Tribes called Star. What was it? Then they call it Star Siege twenty eight fifty four. 2845 excuse me and it was like a mixture between tribes 2 and star siege where you had mechs but then you could jump out of the mechs as a person and run around and shoot blasters and stuff with jetpacks i don't actually remember that i found the trailer should i play of that i played i downloaded oh boy oh. that was loud uh i played it but it was like it was so such a like a it wasn't anywhere near completion and like there was like one mech and there was one plane and that was it. And to get out of the mech was basically a death sentence. There was no, there was nothing you could do as a person. It was like, well, I just got to run away till I die. That's all you can do. But the concept was a lot really cool. And, you know, it was all based in the Star Siege universe. So if you knew that lore, that history, that just basically just, I just realized that Tribes Descend didn't really touch on that at all. They just sort of made a game. They didn't follow the, uh, the lore at all, did they? I don't think so. Yeah, Tribes Vengeance, which uh, was different, that actually expanded on the lore. It didn't. It followed the game by being a prequel, but like they had Cybrids in that, which was a a concept from Star Siege, but technically was still in the Tribes universe. It's like what the it's what like what the AI bots were supposed to be. They're supposed to be Cybrid bots. Yeah, that's that's a whole game universe that pretty much just like disappeared. <laughs> was there a single player for that game? Star Siege? Star Siege, yes. That's what the game... I, I want to say that's what the focus of the game was, and then multiplayer was like an afterthought. Yeah, I want to say that's probably probably for sure that's what it was, because there were a lot of things in the, in the multiplayer that were like, hmm, why is this this way? That makes no sense. Man, um, this looks yeah. fun. I'm looking at the video. This guy's like flying around on some snow map. It looks like Catabatic or something. Mm-hmm. And he could hop out of the of the jet and then yeah. go like with jetpacks and like a blaster or something like that. And then you can jump in a herc and then uh you know go chomping around blasting people away with that. It was a really cool concept, but just you know, it's it was a fan project and then uh once whoever was working on it lost interest or moved on to you know other things, it that was it, it died. <laughs> and I'm sure if it was today Whoever has the rights now to that whole tribes to visit Vendi Universal's it was Sierra, then they got bought by Vendi, then Vendi got bought by someone else. They would be like, nope, stop. I'll stop. Yeah. I was watching a documentary on Half Life. Wow. Uh huh. And I guess it was hard for Valve to get the rights to Half Life from Sierra. But they managed to, and... Uh, Wait, I'm trying to think. Valve was... So Sierra originally 
own the rights and then valve was a side company that like developed the game like what was that relationship i think they were the developer okay and so they used like sierra's like like Uh, resources or something i don't know i guess sierra hired them to make it Mm -hmm. but then once sierra like turned bonds up or got bought by whatever it was then valve was still a separate company and so they were like shoot half of our you know resources are in that other company now Okay, I'm going to just pull up the link. I'll post it somewhere. I think it was... I love that sound. <laughs> that, is that the, the loading sound of you finding it? <laughs> That's the intro sound for oh, okay. No Clip Entertainment. This documentary is called Unforeseen Consequences, a Half-Life documentary. Lots of nostalgia. They couldn't actually interview anybody from Valve. Yeah, because they're all gone at this point, right? <laughs> they and don't think, actually make games there, Ryan. Yeah. I think this, actually, you know, they came out with Half-Life Alex. I don't know if you've played it. I haven't. I remember being really excited about that. Do you know what the it's result out. I know it's out, but I haven't heard anything. But then again, I don't, I don't know anybody that has a VR stuff. So, um, oh, there you go, Troy. I'll I'll buy a VR setup so that we could play it on the stream, the stream. box. That'd be fun. So, I watched somebody live stream Half Life Alex. It looked mm-hmm. really cool, but then I got motion sickness. I don't get motion uh, sickness. Oh, if you're if you're motion sickness just from watching them, yeah. Oh, there are Twitch streamers who are streaming it. Interesting. There's a lot of spoilers if you watch the stream. Yeah, but I don't think I'll do that. The the total befuddlement. With, let me find a good word for that. Complete. You're flabbergasted when you play it. Because it's unlike any other interactive game you've played. Yeah, I remember like what I, the feeling it gave me when I'm watching just the trailer was that, okay, there's been all this talk about HR. No, I'm HR. VR and then you know some people made some interesting things but nobody's really made like a real game it's all been just like pretty much like tech demos of VR um and you know you see like the hilarious thing where the guy's like trying to load the clip and it's like just drops on the ground like it doesn't even load at all and so there really wasn't anybody yet who had made a game with VR totally in mind that's also a big major developer and so like Half-Life Alex is supposed to be like Half-Life which everybody loves that lore and the I don't know if it was the team behind it, but you know, like this, the reputation of a Half Life game with VR is like, ooh, this this gonna be something real special, real serious. But then I don't ever hear any more hype after it came out. I think it's because the barrier to entry is like a thousand dollars. Yeah, good. Do you have to use their um? You don't have their to. VR thing. You can okay. use an inferior one. The reason you would want to use the one from Valve is it tracks your fingers. Ooh, that's cool. Okay. So there is a there's a level of immersion that mm-hmm. isn't comparable. Cause it doesn't need cameras to track your fingers. It has some kind of radar thing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because I thought was it was it I forget which land part was. Did we have that set up? Like it was the two cameras that were like uh, Yeah, we had of you? the first version, the Vive. Mm-hmm. So that would track your hand motion, your body position from the multiple like infrared camera light system, whatever that thing was doing. And then the headset and the new version 
which I assume is called the Vive. I, I don't know what the new one's called. That independently tracks your hand, like your individual fingers. And I'm pretty sure it still has the room things, the room mappers to kind mm-hmm. of track where you're at. But then you still have that bundle of cables, or maybe it's just one cable now, that comes off the back. That was my biggest problem, was you wore this headset, and then it had all these heavy cables that came off the back. You're talking about the first version? The first one, yeah. Apple's going to come out with something soon. Sooner than later. Well, why would they... I'm trying to think, like, what... I'm sort of surprised they're Apple developed because they're not really into games either. I feel well, it doesn't like have even... to be for games. Think about what you could do if you made a native operating system in augmented reality or virtual reality. Augmented yeah, reality how... would be preferable to me. <laughs> I was about to say, there's a reason why my, my computer is super organized and then my filing cabinet is a mess. <laughs> but think about spatial memory mm. and... Your memory palace, virtual. Yeah, you could have a memory palace for files like one you could actually walk through I could sit at my desk and instead of buying a wall of screens to have a whole bunch of different trading windows open Mm -hmm. I could have a big virtual space and just turn my head wherever I need and I can have a bunch of different trading platforms open I could see it maybe working and just I I feel like too much like it'd be like uh, evil dystopia like you have all these people at work in a empty chemical but they have their vr headset on so they're like their desk is there is all virtual but they're just sad and alone by themselves of course that probably would be actually really cool <laughs> it would be cool have all kinds of stuff going on it looks like a, you know don't have to worry about trade secrets being left on the desk because uh it's all on the server anyways encrypted server that your uh, vr pulls from all of its data you know if your company was that modern I don't think you'd be required to sit in the office. Yeah, you just need to make sure you have a desk space at home. I guarantee you, whatever headset they come out with is going to be like all the other ones, and there's cameras built in. So So you better be wearing pants. Oh, no. They better close their screens. (laughs) I I don't like the uh, presence of cameras everywhere. It's a problem. It is the uh, the way things are going. In the name of security, don't you want to feel secure with the watchful big brother eye on top of you? It looks like your fiber intake is low. <laughs> Ordering fiber supplements. Amazon drone coming in. Make sure you leave your window open. Leave your bathroom window open. Leave <laughs> your bathroom window open. That's a good spot to end. And where can we support this lovely podcast? Yort.org and bringyourwallet.com slash contact for feedback and suggestions bringyourwallet.com slash donate to support the show and share the show see you next week have a good night